Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday night. Joining me from New York City is Tim Bontup. Hello, everybody. And joining us from Dallas, Texas. It's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Theme song? Mm, I don't hear it. I don't uh, hear it. What a maybe shame. next week. Seems like there's some hating going on. All right. Well, so free agency is beginning in a couple of days. The draft's a few days behind us. Um, look, you, you, we've all talked about some of the big names. We're aware that Kyrie Irving and James Harden are free agents. We're aware that Dame Lillard is um, in flux, but we're going to talk about some other uh, guys who are not getting as much attention on the free agent market. Um, and we're just going to kind of go around there. Actually, we should point out on Sunday, the first kind of uh, called the first domino uh, Nas Reed uh, free agent of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves didn't actually get to free agency, signed a, a three year, $42 million uh, contract extension to stay with the wolves. Um, $14 million a year above the mid-level, which is $12 million. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought that he might get a look from some of the teams with cap space. He is a guy who is undervalued, and because he plays on a team that has a bunch of bigs, doesn't didn't get um, as much time as I thought he would get. Um, I thought San Antonio might be a team that would show some interest in him. They've got $50 million in space and um, don't want Wembenyama to play a ton of center. So that was interesting. It also is a... <laughs> Another bit of spending by the Wolves who are, you know, getting into sort of deep water with their salaries going forward, which I thought was interesting. Um, we'll just spend a second on that, Bon Temps. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, obviously, Nas Reed is sort of this year's guy that everybody says is undervalued that was clearly not going to be undervalued because he's going to be sort of the number one talked about, like, under the radar free agent with Bruce Brown going into free agency. But to me, this is much more about the fact that the Wolves have now committed another 28 million guaranteed to his center when they're paying Rudy Gobert approximately a metric ton of millions of dollars and they're playing paying Carl Anthony Towns another approximate metric ton of millions of dollars over the next several years and to me what this says more than anything is that there's a bit of a clock on this wool center situation and going forward a year from now I think one of these three guys is likely to not be on the team. Now, if it goes great mm-hmm. this year, maybe it's Nas Reed. If it doesn't go as great this year, maybe it's one of the other guys, one of the bigger ticket guys. But you don't see in today's NBA teams typically spending, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to $100 million on the center position. And after this signing next season, Carl Towns is going to be making $49 million. Rudy Gobert is going to be making $43 million. And Nas Reed's going to be making just under $14 million. You put that together, that's over $100 million on one position. So that seems untenable to me. And I think the fact that they got a, a guy who is a 23-year-old, soon-to-be 24-year-old unrestricted free agent that had some interest around the league, diverse, you know, bit of a versatile offensive player, had a really nice year this year before fracturing his wrist. To me, it's more about where things are going for Minnesota and that I think we're going to have a decision on – that position going forward, which could have some interesting ramifications. Yeah. And, you know, you can say, well, hey, 
Carl Anthony Towns is a power forward now. He doesn't want to play center. He's he's not playing nearly as much center, obviously, as he had in the past. And that's all fine and dandy. But in the first six weeks of the season, before Cat went down with that calf injury that kept him out for most of the season, Nas Reed averaged 13 minutes per game and mm-hmm. had six DNPs. 13 minutes in the games he played and had six DNPs. So point being, when both Gobert and uh, Cat were healthy, Nas Reed was a productive player, but a fringe rotation player, right? And so it it does not make sense to have all three of those guys at significant salaries. Um, but I, I think this is a it, financially, I think it's a good deal for Nas Reed because, I, and I'm sure his agent, you know, sniffed around, and and I I do think that the full mid level was probably going to be right about the the market for him i you know i think that's probably where he would have ended up so get a little bit above that and then it's flexibility for the wolves but it, it as you said it doesn't make sense to have all three guys and i think you know i've i've said many many times if i'm sitting in tim conley's chair uh i, I you you can't trade rudy gobert and expect to get back anything close to what you got for him right I'm figuring out what exactly is the market for Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not saying trade him because if there's not a good market for him, I don't think you do trade a guy who has that kind of talent, but he's the guy who I would be shopping pretty aggressively. Well, and the other thing real quick on Nasri too, two-year deal with a player option in the third year going into his age 24 season. He either hits the market again at 26 or 27. So gets a payday mm-hmm. right now and he hasn't made much money and if he does have a big role, whether it's in Minnesota or elsewhere over the next couple of years, all of a sudden he's in a position to get, you know, a longer term, maybe higher number contract, especially when the salary cap continues to go up with the new TV deal coming in. So I think it makes sense for everybody all around from that standpoint. Right. So, okay. So let's talk about some um, players who are going to be on the, uh, going to be free agents on Thursday evening. I guess some of these guys could sign extensions, but um, Bontemps, why don't you start? I'm just really interested to see what happens with Kyle Kuzma. We've talked a lot about the Wizards already. Obviously, they've been the most active team in the league over the past week since uh, Michael Winger and Will Dawkins and Travis Schlenk got in there. Turn, you know, it was a week ago now when we were talking about the Bradley Beal trade that turned to getting into getting Jordan Poole. They also sent Chris Tass Porzingis to Boston in the three-team deal with Memphis. You know, so maybe they do stuff with guys like Monty Morris and Tyus Jones and other guys that are on the roster now, but you know, Kyle Kuzma is a pretty interesting wing player. We're always talking about how, you know, combo forward wing players are pretty valued players in today's NBA. And, you know, Kuz has been out there saying he's going to get a lot of money in for agency. And I'm interested to see where that comes from. Cause I, I don't frankly see a super obvious fit out there for somebody to really pony up Huge I do. money to sign him. Okay, well, where do you see it? that the the Wizards. Well, you could say that, but I if you're the, I mean, I don't know if the Wizards necessarily want to be giving him huge money. I would say the Wizards might be interested in. I shouldn't say might be. I mean, this is speculation on my part. I would think, based mm-hmm. on how they handled Porzingis and Beal, that if they could get some assets back for Kyle Kuzma in a sign and trade, they would look at doing that. But I'm, are they going to really go try to win a bidding war to keep him on the team? No, absolutely not. But if Kyle Kuzma's looking to get paid and there's not a tremendous uh, market out there because there's just limited teams with cap space, I don't see why the Wizards don't re-sign him. He is well, uh, 
He is a player who could have value. Well, that, I was going to say, and it, obviously the Wizards are going into a rebuild. So you can say, well, you know, why do you want to s- sign a vet at, uh, you know, for a significant salary who, you know, might boost your floor a little bit when, you know, ideally, let's be honest, the Wizards are finished with the top three pick. And I think you nailed it, Wendy, because if you're going to be making trades, then you need, you know, you need salaries to trade. So I could see that making a little bit of sense. Uh, obviously, there's sign and trade scenarios that, I, that you know, could be explored as well, or maybe they're, they're taking back an expiring contract and, uh, you know, some kind of draft capital, that sort of thing. There has been, uh, you know, rumor, speculation, however you want to couch it with Kuzma to Utah. You know, obviously he's got roots there, went to college in Utah. The Jazz do have a bunch of cap space. Um, so I think there, you know, there's obvious connections made there. Uh, I don't know, but I do wonder whether Utah is in the market for a forward who would have to be a starter after they just drafted uh, Hendricks in the lottery. Yeah, the, 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 the Jazz have been in the market for forwards in the in trades in recent weeks despite having Lowry Markin in there. So, mm-hmm. and for frankly, for fours. Now, Kuzma is a three-four. Uh, you could play him easily next to Markin if you wanted to. Markin's a three-four as well. Exactly, but ideally more of a four. He surprised some people at his ability to defend threes that year in Cleveland when he played a lot of three. But some of the guys that I heard, like, I'll just tell you, Porzingis was a player that Utah was discussing. Porzingis is a four or five, you know, if you've got Porzingis mm-hmm. and Walker Kessler, you're thinking about playing, um, Mark. Well, then you're sort then you're sort of replicating what Cleveland did, right? Where you got two rim protectors behind an iffy uh, you might be replicating what the nuggets just did. Well, that's, um, that's, that's also true, but I'm talking to just um, about having two giant guys at the rim with Walker Kessler and him, if you're doing that. Right. Um, they were a, a sort of what I was told a, a silent bitter for Porzingis. Um, um, also, well, I don't want to get aggregated more than I'll get aggregated on that. This, this player is going to get traded, and I don't want to be my name to be on that just yet. There's another four out there that I've heard they've in, that they're interested in. I'll just leave it at that. It could get traded. So it would be interesting if they show interest in Kuzma. That that fit makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, he 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 will be a guy who I think has proven that he you know, he's, he's his contract is thirteen million dollars. This he's going to opt out of. I assume mm-hmm. he hasn't opted out yet. I don't think. I believe he already has. He has opted has out. Opted out. Okay, yes. I might have missed that headline, but um, it was a good salary, you know. Um, there was one of the things that you know the Lakers. <laughs> I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the Lakers were really set up. They had, they had KCP on a good salary. They had Kuzma on a good salary. <laughs> they could have gotten Caruso on a really good salary. All right, we'll leave uh, it. Still, still ended up with the top six roster this year, brother. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you ended up being right. Did. That's right. <laughs> More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. 
Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. I want to talk about another guy who has opted out, and it was a no-brainer for him to opt out. I'm talking about Brucey B, as Michael Malone calls him, Bruce Brown. And, you know, he opted out of the, you know, the the second year of the, his taxpayer mid-level exception deal that he signed with the Nuggets. Uh, I believe the most they can offer him the first year is 7.8. Um, and that is going to be well below what his market value is. So it, it would be just because of the business constraints. It, it would be very surprising if Bruce, if Bruce Brown is back in Denver. Uh, to help the Nuggets win a championship, despite the fact that obviously it was a phenomenal fit, that he had a great year, that you know he, he's going to be loved in Denver for the rest of his life. Um, I think the floor for him is going to be full mid-level. Um, our old buddy Steiny uh, linked him to the Mavericks. I've heard similar things. Actually, I heard that uh, the Mavericks maybe could have had him last summer, but Thought that uh, JaVel McGee was a bigger prize, which <laughs> you can uh, put that in a category. Let's just let's let's just say <laughs> let's just say that sums up why Dallas finished eleventh last year. I, I think that. I think the Mavericks are are going to have a much better offseason this year than they did last year. The draft was a good start. Yeah, they already um, have. That was a really good <laughs> night the other night. To your point, but so again, the Mavericks. Part of the thing that they did the other night, we talked about this, was not just you know turn ten into twelve and twenty four. But they moved enough money off of the books this year to turn their exception from a from a mid level to the full mid level. They've been very clear. They want defense. They want toughness. They want IQ. Bruce Brown is certainly all of those things. Um, that's why I wonder if full mid level it would be enough. Like, could he get more? Um, you know, the, the Rockets are going to be linked to every single free agent in the world just because, like, you know, when, when you when you have that kind of cap space, right. whether it's true or not, it, it, it's good to link them to a team. It's also fascinating what the Spurs do, too, because the Spurs have to spend a certain amount of money and the decisions that they make, whether they'll, they're going to be looking to take on salary or whether they're going to be looking to sign guys, you know, their first it, you, it, the, the clock starts right away. With a with a star player, and well, the clock a, is it, now started on when. Well, it's a, so it's important to clarify for people that don't know that you know, like last year, San Antonio, Indiana, Oklahoma City, a lot of these teams went into the season with cap space because you could sort of wait around and maybe you could take on a player later, or you could do stuff later with cap space. Or you could you didn't have to get to the salary floor. Well, with the new CBA, when it goes into effect, whenever the CBA officially gets written, don't think teams still have it yet even though for age season five days, but with this new CBA, you have to be within, I believe 10% of, I think you have to be within 90% of the salary cap 
by the start of the regular mm-hmm. season. So you can't go into the season anymore with 30, 40, 50 million in salary cap space and like wait and see what's happening. So to your point, Brian, if you're sitting there and you're a team like Houston with 60 million to spend or a team like San Antonio with 40, 50 million to potentially spend, like all of a sudden you got to start finding ways to spend that money on something. You can't just have it sit there if you don't like what's out there. So it is going to be interesting to see how some of these teams navigate that because in the past they didn't necessarily have to spend it. Now with the new rules, they do have to for sure. But, but they don't necessarily have to spend it in free agency. They can do Right, uh, you know, like the Thunder have done over over the years, sort of the other night. But I'm thinking more of like the, when the Thunder made the trade for Al Horford, or basically, hey, we'll take your contract. You give us, you know, you can continue to stockpile picks mm-hmm. using your salary cap space to do that. I think I think Brown's a fascinating player. For obviously, he's a championship caliber role player. He just proved that. So I think he's a a fascinating player for teams trying to win now, but also teams that are still building, you know, the, the, the pacers and jazzes and and spurs of the, of the cap space world, because he's going to be 27 next season. So still, you know, just entering his prime. And it's not like he's a guy who needs the ball. You know, he he's a complimentary player. Now what that season in Denver did allow him to do was show that because before it's like, what is this guy? Is he he's like this six foot four, like undersized power forward who, you know, what, what exactly is he? Like he's a a role man who, you know, but with the Nuggets, I said, hey, you're gonna be our sixth man. You're gonna come off the bench. You're going to be a, a secondary playmaker. You're going to have the ball in your hands. He had a solid three-point shooting season at the highest volume he's ever had. He he was able to you know, have the ball in his hands to make plays more than he's ever had. Plus, you know, he can do all the stuff that you saw in Brooklyn, kind of that Gary Payton, the second unconventional type of stuff, which honestly, I think is part of the reason I, he would be such a good fit in Dallas uh, as a pick and roll guy with, with Luca at times. Um, so very interesting, unique player who didn't have much of a market last year, I, I think could have a pretty significant market this summer. All right, for mine, I got a two for here because they're related. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent with the Heat, both unrestricted. What are they um, cousins? <laughs> I don't believe so. And the interesting thing here is, you know, both of them proved to be starters on on a finals team. Both of them had terrific moments. Struess is a little bit more up and down. Vincent was arguably the Heat's third most consistent player. I mean, he wasn't the third best player in every game, but he was really good in a lot of the playoffs and he uh, tweaked his ankle. And then um, in the conference finals, and he was a little bit shaky after that, but these guys are unrestricted free agents. That's number one. Number two, the heat are somewhat going to be tied into watching what happens with Dame Lillard. Now, maybe there's a resolution one way or the other. Maybe Dame says, look, I'm, I'm still a blazer move on or Dame pulls the trigger and makes tries to make mm-hmm. a move here in the next uh, you know couple of days. But Thursday at six o'clock, Struess and Gabe, Gabe Vincent hit the open market. And you know, these are guys that have not made much money in their careers. Right. They're a little bit older. They can't be waiting around for second place. So if I liked Struess or Vincent, I might come with an offer hard at six o'clock. And even by the way, even if they do acquire Dame Lillard. There might not be enough, depending on the structure of the deal, there might not be enough room for where the Heat are going to be to spend for what their market's going to be. So 
it's not just so much about who's interested. It's about what the team that's holding their rights might be trying to do. So I think both of those guys are interesting stories come Thursday night in the role player market. Yeah. I mean, they, they the, the Heat have nine players under contract right now who are owed $173 million guaranteed. And that, that, uh, that second apron, I believe comes in, you know, luxury taxes it. Uh, I'm trying to look this up quick. Yeah. The second apron this year is at 182 million. So you're already bumping up pretty close to it before you sign either of those guys. To me, I would say if I'm weighing it, I would guess Max Struess is going to get more money in on the open market. He's bigger. Yeah, it's harder to, he's better, harder to find a guy like that. He's, he's a, a better win. shooter. Yeah. He's bigger. He's a better shooter. Um, I mean, Gabe Vincent had a great playoffs. He's also a career 33% three point shooter um, who has really, you know, he had one year where he shot 36%. Otherwise he's been at 33 or below. He's 27 years old. He's an undersized point. Who's sort of like one of those play off the ball point guards. It's kind of, yeah. it, I could see him having a better chance of being back in Miami. Cause I'm not sure how hot his market will be. But either way, I mean, like you said, they got the Dame situation to monitor. He, if they trade for him, he's expensive, obviously. And you know, both those guys are probably going to get offers for multi-year deals with pretty decent chunks of money, and they're already pretty expensive. So you got to figure one way or the other. Something's got to give with the Heat, but they're certainly going to be two very interesting guys to watch. You know, based off how Miami sees. I think. Went. I think I just inadvertently did a snake draft, which I'm in trouble. Because I can't figure. It out. So <laughs> okay, I, so you, I, you 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 took the uh, two picks at the end, huh? Well, we, can loop, we can loop. We can loop back around to the front. I oh uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by what happens to Grant Williams. We saw Chris yes. S. Porzingis yeah. get traded to Boston. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon was going to be in that trade. Then he was not going to be in that trade. You know, maybe the Celtics find a way to move off of Malcolm Brogdon in some other deal and create a little more salary cap flexibility. Maybe they just sign Grant Williams anyway and we're, you know, keep the asset and worry about it later. But again, in a similar vein to what we're talking about with, with Miami, you know, you've got three guys on the Celtics making a hundred million dollars this year. And then you got Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, and Robert Williams make another 50 between them. So you got six guys making $150 million. Your roster starts to fill up pretty quick. And Grant Williams, despite the fact he was in and out of the lineup sometimes this year, sort of like Bruce Brown, he's a young guy mm -hmm. who's a restricted free agent that with a team with this kind of payroll, you could say, hey, maybe we could come in and snag this guy. And to me, when you look at the, the modern NBA, Grant Williams is sort of a perfect role player to slot in if you've got a couple of star players. Guy who doesn't need the ball a lot, has proven to be a 40% three-point shooter, can guard multiple positions, can guard up. Can mm -hmm. play guard some fours and fives, you know, really smart cerebral player. Like he's a guy that if I'm a, you know, like you were talking about McMahon with Dallas, I'm not saying specifically him to Dallas, but like one of these teams right. that's trying to find Cleveland. guys to fit around Cleveland again, San Antonio would be interesting. I mean, San I could see Antonio. him playing next to Victor, like a team mm -hmm. like that. You come in and maybe you bid a little extra for an RFA like that. You think you can get with a team that's already got some money crunch issues. I'll be very interested to see what happens with Grant because I think not only I'll be curious to see who's interested in him, but it's also a sign of how much Boston's going to be willing to spend or what they're going to have to do to potentially keep him for what's already a pretty expensive team. He he has actually been linked to the Mavericks. Um, me poking around about that. I, 
not definitively, but I was kind of told, like, mm, you know, calm it down a little bit. Um, well, but- if he signs for the mid-level, that's a deal that I think Boston would feel pretty comfortable matching. That's the part where I think it'd be yeah, tough. I was Dallas a little puzzled it. why he was so in and out of the rotation come playoff time, because I do think he's a – I like Grant Williams for the reasons that you mentioned. He definitely fits the, you know, toughness, IQ, floor spacing mold. Um, you know, he is represented by the same agency as Luka Doncic, actually – he wore Luca ones when he played against the Mavericks this year. And I was curious about that. No, I went over there and I asked him about it. And I, and I was asking him, as I was asking him about it, uh, one of the locker room attendants delivered him Luca's games or uh, game worn <laughs> autographed Jersey. <laughs> so he's a Luca fan to say the least, you know, he was, it was like, Hey, that's my guy. Same agency. You know, they've got a relationship. Um, but again, it, like we can line up teams. And I think that, that he'd be a good fit for them. Um, just because he he is the kind of guy who he does dirty work and he doesn't need the ball. Uh, he's a really, really good role player. All right, McMahon. Uh, a former Maverick, Harrison Barnes. And we touched on this a little bit. I was going to say him later. I didn't think I'm going to bring him mm-hmm. up. I like that we, one. We, we touched on this one a little bit uh, the other night, Wendy, because you were so fascinated by the fact that the move that the Kings made essentially – selling their uh, 24th overall pick to Dallas opened up a huge chunk of salary cap space that is basically dependent on letting Harrison Barnes go. Now, certainly they could also bring Harrison Barnes back, you know, likely at a number pretty similar to where he was uh, this last year. And I'd have to look that up, but it's 20-ish. Um, I can look it up then, while you're talking. Right. And then and then use uh you know use some cap space to uh try to get some bonus extended, you know, because the bonus is numbers too low to extend off of now. But if you've got some some cap space uh after getting barns done, you know, so don't want to could have done out. that without trading the pick. Yeah, that, that only takes a couple million dollars to get to a number that, <laughs> that I think makes I, sense. And Harrison, just so we have it, was at 18-3 this past year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like, um, by the way, if they do that, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah. they gave away a, a first round pick. I know that Rashawn Holmes was not a big part of their future, but right, first round picks are they're, they're not cheap. You know, they're you know they they had, and I know that it happened on draft night. You know, I'm not saying they went in going, oh yeah, we're going to do this because of the way everything broke out. But you know, Sam Presti was talking at his availability. He said that he and Nico Harrison had been talking for a week about that trade that they made where the uh, Oklahoma City took on Davis Pertan's money to move up to 10. Mm-hmm. How long do, do we think the Mavericks were talking about? Maybe, you know, I don't think it came together in the last second. Maybe it well, did. You know I don't know. These things are, you know, how these things are like every team talks to every team for, you know, especially I know. like the All Mavericks were talking to every team because everybody the Kings knew got the something were- in mind. The Kings got something in mind. Oh, it may yeah, not happen. Yeah. They got something in mind. Right. I so will, perhaps Barnes is a fallback plan there. Um, Indiana's an interesting one there. Uh, despite the fact that Mavericks basically Sally dumped Harrison Barnes, I can tell you that Rick Carlisle loves Harrison Barnes. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll sit here and tell you because Bob Volgaris told me this uh, on the record. One reason that Bob Volgaris, um, who you know was the Mavericks director of quantitative analysis, but basically Cubans, the, the personnel voice that Cuban was listening to the most 
Uh, one reason Bob Volgaris was lobbying to, to move Barnes is because Rick wouldn't stop calling plays for him, even when he had Luca. <laughs> so, so like, no, no, no. You know, everything's got to revolve around Luca, but Rick loves him to the point where, you know, he they just didn't think that that Barnes could transition into being a role player under Rick. Now Barnes has already transitioned into that. Obviously, he was in Sacramento, what their their third or fourth offensive option, but I, I think he could fit pretty well with uh with that group that they have in Indiana if if uh if the Pacers decide that that he's a guy that they want to make a pretty uh significant offer to. Well, look, they got a bunch of salary cap space. They've got sort of a hole for a veteran forward, a combo mm-hmm. forward, right? Um they just drafted Jarris Walker in the draft, obviously a very interesting guy who could maybe be a Paul Millsap type, you know, certainly could play power forward maybe as soon as this year for them next to Miles Turner, but still you know, you mentioned the Carlisle connection. He certainly got a lot of say there. It would be interesting if they made a swing like that. I'd personally be a little disappointed if I'm the Kings and I just bring back Harrison Barnes and Trey Lyles, and they probably are going to bring over Sasha Vizankov. The This uh, guy was a EuroLeague MVP this year. Is another sort of Trey Lyles-ish kind of guy, I think. Um, you know, really good shooter at the forward spot. If they do that and, and extend a bonus, like that wouldn't be terrible, but I hope that the Kings can get in the mix for something a little juicier than that with a bunch of cash space, with some mm-hmm. momentum that they've got. They've got a chance, I think, to go get an interesting player. And you know, maybe they it, can't. It, they end up with Harrison, but I'd like to see if they a first round pick to salary dump. If it's now, not, if it's not Draymond, that? if it's not Draymond, then who? Could that be a Kuzma spot? Let's, let's watch. Let's That's watch. A- I was going to bring up Harrison for that reason, because sort of like with Grant Williams, if Harrison's back there, it means Sacramento didn't get something better in theory. If he isn't, it means they probably use that cast base on something a little juicier. By the way, have you uh, heard Mark Spears' story about Rick Carlisle at Harrison Barnes' wedding? I have not heard that. Rick, Rick, Rick took over the piano. It was just... Was, He's oh, a great no. pianist, right? Was <laughs> P-I-A-N-I-S-T, just to be clear. Um, That's what I said, pianist. <laughs> yes, I'm just making sure everybody's clear on Sophomore McMahon. <laughs> I knew that was the case already. Uh, <laughs> but no, he, apparently Rick got on the piano, was playing, and was like, you know, shouting out his Mavericks family, his Warriors family, and all those kind of things. And uh, apparently it was Rick's idea. It was not something that was uh, was planned by the wedding party. <laughs> Listen, the Kobe Bryant memorial was extremely uh, emotional, but... <laughs> When Rob Polinka got up there and claimed that Kobe became like a concert pianist over just practicing on in, on some piano in Beijing, I was like, okay. This <laughs> 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 is amazing. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, is it my turn or is it McFancy? Yes, it is. Whose turn? It's yours. Oh. Yours. Literally, uh, no one has talked about this guy, and he's still a productive player. I realize he's not a defensive ace, but Nikola Vucevic, unrestricted free agent, only 32 years old, averaged 17.6 points, shot 52% from the field this last year. His three-point shooting has gone down. Uh, used to be better. Uh, his rebounding is still up there. He's averaged double figure rebounds, I believe like seven or eight years in a row. You know, some, you know, somebody is going to, you know, maybe he stays with Chicago, but mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, well, I think the better question is there, is there another team besides Chicago that really makes sense for him? I think is the better question. Cause I can't really think of one. Well, it's it just, he's a highly productive player. He's not a, he's a flawed player, but he's a highly productive player. And trust me, there are guys who don't put up these kind of numbers that are mm-hmm. that get paid significant money, and um, nobody talks is talking about this. Guy. I nobody. did not like. I did not like the Vooch trade uh, with Orlando. That you up, were on that from day one. I remember. It, I ended up being right about that. But the last time I was this kind of uh, lukewarm on a very good. Offense big who I had obvious defensive flaws. It was it was Demontis Sabonis, and obviously uh, he's gone to Sacramento, and it's worked out really well. Um, you know, I is there is there a team that could have a guy playing next to him who can spray Lysol to cover up his his defensive issues? That you know, like look. Nikola Jokic, he's a smart defensive player with good hands, but he has obvious flaws. Aaron Gordon masks a lot of those flaws. Is there some, is there a fit there? Honestly, San Antonio would be interesting. I have zero clue if uh, his his age doesn't match their, their, their timeline, but it depends on what they're trying to do. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish this year. Vic has made it. Vic's made it pretty clear he does not want to play a lot of the five. Uh, they are bringing That's back correct. they are bringing back Zach Collins, who quietly had a pretty strong finish to the year last year. I say quietly because nobody watched the Spurs play basketball last season. Right. You know, so I, I I would think Collins, as it is now, I think Collins probably is their starting center. Uh, would they look to to upgrade that and and have Collins coming off the bench? I don't know. It, 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 it would make some sense. Um, I would if if I'm running the Spurs, I, I would be more looking to continue stockpiling picks and add a you know really solid vet point guard. Um, that would be my strategy for the summer. But it's weird. Pop has not asked my opinion. <laughs> can't imagine. Can't imagine why. Yeah, I mean, it feels like Vooch is just going to wind up back in Chicago on some sort of shortish extension because i don't know if there's a great fit i mean he'd be interesting in a place like memphis play next to jaron you know i mean especially with stephen adams having these 
knee issues down the stretch, but I, I mean, yeah. they have the mid-level. Is that going to get it done? I don't know. They also have Desmond Bain coming online next year with a big extension. So I, I don't know. It just, it feels like he's going to say, but it is, it is to a bigger question. Like Chicago is another one of these teams, like where are they going? Right. And with Vucevic, it's sort of a prime example of that. Like, do they commit to sort of stick with what they've got or do they look to pivot in another direction? And if Vucevic signs somewhere else, maybe that's a sign that, Hey, they are going to pivot in another direction based on what they've got. Well, Arturis Kanishevis, the general manager or the president, I can't remember, vice president, whatever his title is, came out and said they don't expect Lonzo Ball to play next season. So mm-hmm. I would expect them to be a little bit more aggressive at upgrading their point guard position this well, offseason. I think, he, think want, he flat out said they want to sign a point guard and get more shooting. So I think that's why well, everybody wants more shooting. Out. But yes, yeah, so, you know, they have to use some of their assets for that, uh, you know, but um, they have bird rights on Vucevic. Uh, okay, Bon Temps, I think it's your turn. I got a quick one. Adrian reported, Adrian Wojnarowski reported Saturday night about Josh Hart moving his opt-in deadline back to the end of the week. That's uh, a guy I would watch this week. I don't think Josh Hart's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. The fact that the, that opt-out that opt-out date got moved, I think, was a sign of that. We go back to last week. Chris Asporzingis had no interest in moving that opt-out date, right? right. He wanted to have a decision made. Huh. Zero point zero interest, <laughs> right? And and for good reason. He got he got the money that he wanted. Now. It's going to be interesting with Josh Hart because when you agree to do that, both sides are on board, right? So that's a sign Josh mm-hmm. Hart's going to be here. I think the interesting thing will be to see whether he opts into that deal or not. I think if Josh Hart opts in, that means that the Knicks probably have a pretty good feeling they're going to be able to use their full mid-level exception on somebody that they like mm. and add them and then extend Josh Hart off of his deal for next year, which I think is just under $13 million. If he opts out, then you imagine he's probably going to get a raise this year and then they're probably not using the full mid-level. So that's why he's an interesting guy to me, not that he's going anywhere, but -hmm. again, sort of like some of these other guys we've talked about, that decision I think will signal what we see the Knicks do in free agency next weekend. Yeah, and you know, obviously the other thing is the Knicks have other potential ways to move money around, but... uh, Just the fact the deadline got moved back the, oh, yeah, no, the fact they moved clear, the deadline back, that's to me what the – that seems to make sense as to why you would do that. Right, and there's clear cooperation, obviously. Uh, I mean, it was a f- great fit. Josh Hart probably played the best basketball of his NBA career. Um, certainly happy with the Knicks, happy reuniting with his best buddy, friend. his Villanova yeah. buddy, Jalen Brunson. Like, I just can't imagine him going anywhere. But, it, you know, you, you pointed out why exactly how he stays is interesting uh, and impactful. You guys want to talk about the Bucks championship starters that are uh, about to hit the free agent market? Sure. Chris, Chris Middleton. It's probably a level higher than we're trying to talk about, but I mean, I think they're certainly interesting. Uh, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Pretty important Very. players. I mean, uh, Middleton opting out of 40 million. Yes, there's some potential suitors there, Houston being one of them. He feels like that. Feels like that'll result in him going back, though. Yeah, but him opting out of that, coming off a year where he was not himself and leaving forty million on the table, I have to think he has he knows what's sitting there. So, and it's probably not going to be a first year starting salary of forty million. No, no, he'll definitely. But, I mean, I shouldn't say definitely, but I would suspect he would take a a, a pay cut. Also, he very he was his his, his option deal. very quietly expired. You know, like. Technically, like you see these guys, so-and-so picks up his player option, so-and-so doesn't. Really, if you have a player option, you basically don't have to announce anything. You just stand mute 
Mm-hmm. And if you don't do anything, you become a free agent. Well, the but player, also, and, it also was happening at the same time as the Porzingis melodrama. I know, with the but Celtics, he so. very rarely does it wait till midnight. Like typically if a player is opting out of his contract and he wants the world to know, the world knows and it's not at right. 1158. Right. And so the fact that Middleton didn't very loudly become a free agent, again, it's an indication of what's going to happen. Lopez, I think, is a different story. The, the, the Bucks have to draw the line somewhere, and I just don't know how high they're going to go, but there's got to be some number that they'll go to, and I'm not sure if Lopez knows it, but I expect it to be tested. Oh, they, how, if, how can they be a championship contender if Lopez gets away? They cannot. I agree. That, I agree, but there's some number yeah. where I just don't know. Well, yeah. again, this the, this is the this is the reason why it matters, right? It matters because if they don't keep Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, you know, we've been talking all this time about Damian Lillard, right? They don't keep Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez on the team. To your point, McMahon, especially Brooke Lopez, you got you look at them and say this team is not going to be good enough to win a championship. And if they're not good enough to win a championship, with well, the honest, a couple of years away from free agency with the ability to extend this fall, mm-hmm. that's going to lead to a whole series of questions that the Bucks aren't going to want to talk about. So is, my guess is that be, both of these ultimately get done. Could this be why Mark Lazarus was uh, coming on a podcast with us instead of continuing to own the Milwaukee Bucks? I think that I think it has something to do with part. getting offered like three billion dollar yes. value for his shares. <laughs> that also I would think that was I I would say him getting offered three and a half billion dollars for his to his stake of the team is why he's no longer owning the Bucks. Yeah. But but they got a big they got a big week or so ahead. And if they bring those guys back, then you could argue they're as good as any team in the league. And if they don't, just gotta start to wonder where they're headed. Yeah. All right, Brian. Okay. We got uh how about PJ Washington, restricted free agent of the Charlotte Hornets? Um, the Hornets are the Miles Bridges situation is a little bit unknown. He is going to be suspended for the first 10 games of the season, whoever he signs with mm-hmm. the Hornets is a other, I don't really understand how the Bridges situation got played out. They were definitely negotiating behind the scenes. When you get a 30 game suspension with 20 games already having deemed been served for a player who didn't sign a contract, that was obviously a one-off unusual situation. You had a criminal situation that played out where he pled no contest to a felony. And then you had the league investigation that played out much longer. It's strange. He, in fact, that he never signed his qualifying offer, which he could have signed and gotten like, what was it? Eight or $10 million. And then better. Yeah. Something, free- some six, seven, eight, he, something he wouldn't, like that. He, he ultimately would have had to forfeit a lot of it because he got, suspended but he would have gotten money and he would be unrestricted but he didn't which makes it seem like he and the hornets were working on some cooperation it indicates the hornet the hornets are probably going to try to keep him although i'm sure the salary he is looking at potentially getting there is vastly different from the one he was looking at a year ago um but taking that aside because it's a mystery pj washington just had the best year of his career he averaged 16 points shot uh reasonable from three-point range doesn't rebound the ball well for a guy who's his size has been um in trade rumors on and off for a couple of years but certainly fills into the gettable free agent situation um uh you know combo forward can play center in in some uh, configurations um just a guy who kind of flies under the radar that a team could show interest in i think maybe no comment agreed 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I he's, agree. he's interesting. I assume he'll be in, in Charlotte, but maybe not. I agree with everything you're saying. I wouldn't want him as a starter for, for a team that I was running. Mm. I, you know, and I'll be honest, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I watched a whole lot of Charlotte Hornets basketball. <laughs> well, I just can't. I just can't believe Brian but, talked about a restricted free agent forward and didn't talk about the guy who I'm going to talk about now. His favorite player in the league, one Cameron Johnson, Brooklyn Nets forward. Because I think he's going to. I think he's pretty much like already tipped his hand. He's going to be staying in Brooklyn. Well, maybe, <laughs> but what's the number going to be? Large. Well. That's why I'm curious. What what what's too large? Do you think for Brooklyn to to match if it gets to that point? Let's put it this way: I, I think last year, and they were in the middle of the Sarver situation when this went down. I think Cameron Johnson was at, was offered something in the neighborhood of four years and about sixty five million, mm-hmm. and they really didn't go back and forth on it, from what I understand. Um, I think he'll probably get around 90 and if a team comes comes hunting he could approach 100 maybe not all guaranteed and i think the nets will match up to that level so well the one the one team that i'm curious about is the team that's now run by his former coach uh in detroit which has a lot of money to spend monty has been very vocal about how much he likes Cam and Mikhail. I uh, remember he obviously got pretty emotional after they made the trade mm-hmm. and that's a team that really needs shooting and really needs shooting and certainly would be an interesting fit there and has a lot of money to spend. So I'm, I'm, I have no idea if they're interested. I have no idea if they're going to make an offer, but you're just gaming it out and looking at possibilities. That would be a pretty interesting spot to make a big run at Cam and see what the Nets would do about it. Houston is the other team that has been rumored. Again, I think the Nets match, but the one thing I'll say is anytime you hear about Houston, Brooklyn business, you have to pause because Houston owns all that Brooklyn draft capital. Mm-hmm. Whether it's so, swaps or straight up picks and it's all. Yeah. So it, it does. It's not a, it's not a standard transaction discussion. So that would be a sign and trade concept in that regard. So, but yeah, I, I didn't bring him up because I, I really do think he's going to stay in Brooklyn. So, all right. Well, this is a reasonable primer, primer, if you will. There'll be other stuff that happens that we didn't foresee uh, that we'll be talking to you about. Uh, unless there's anybody else you guys want to throw in there. You guys want to talk about the robust market for Christian Wood? Go for it. <laughs> I, I After the draft night, I'm not sure. They drafted a center and traded for a center, so I'm not seeing Christian Wood back in Dallas. Uh, I'm not sure I was seeing Christian Wood back in Dallas in, in February. <laughs> I don't think draft night influenced that meter at all. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just say I have curiosity as to where his landing spot will be. I have, I, I've been told by a bunch of teams that it ain't going to be there. I'm curious where that will end up being. All right. We will see. All right. Also, one one final guy I will mention too yeah. is I'm curious to see what number comes in for Rui Hachimura because he had a huge playoffs after not being very good in a regular season. Yeah, I'm frankly, glad you brought him up. Being, I didn't think about him. He is a good name to bring up. That absolutely. Well, he, he just basically wasn't very good the first four years of his career, and then had in a terrific a couple months, couple months in the yeah. playoffs. Well, he wasn't yeah. even that great 
They got the Lakers. It wasn't like he was shooting the ball well for the Lakers in the regular season, but then he got to the playoffs and he started having career game after career game. So, I mean, the Grizzlies game one game plan was let Rui shoot. That's right. And yes. he, they did and he shot and they went in a whole lot. And, you know, they, that kind of set the tone for his playoff run. Look, he shot 29.6% from three in a regular season, right? I mean, that was certainly the right, that was certainly the right game plan. And in the playoffs, he shot 48.7% from three. Mm-hmm. Again, on two and a half attempts a game. But look, the Lakers traded for him. He played well for them in the playoffs. It, you know, again, it's sort of the bellwether for what they're, offseason is going to look like and I guess the other guy too with the Lakers it's D'Angelo Russell those two guys together like are if the Lakers re-sign D and probably should even be more Russell because they do have restricted rights on Rui but if they if they re-sign Rui and they re-sign D'Angelo that means that the Lakers probably don't have some you know big ticket item on their roster next season. They sort of just bring right. the band back. Well, the interesting back. thing is Dennis Schroeder did was really reasonably effective for them last year, way more than I thought he would be on a minimum contract. Mm-hmm. I assume they're going to try to bring him back and it'll be for more than the minimum. So what do they envision him versus D'Angelo? What do they pay Schroeder versus what do they play D'Angelo? Yeah. And they got because questions. In all honesty, they got a lot of questions. Schroeder was playing in front of D'Angelo in the conference finals at times last year. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell's that's going to be one of the more fascinating free agents because I think that you've got a pretty decent idea of the dollar figure that he considers to be fair, and I don't think he's going to be able to approach that. I mean, well, it's I, hard for a player to take a big pay cut and stay with the same team. It, obviously, it has happened mm-hmm. in in the NBA in NBA history, um, but it's it's not something that happens routinely. You know, it's even harder to do to pay 25, $30 million a year for a player who you basically benched with your season on the line. If they pay him 25 million, I don't even know what to say. So it but, could be an interesting short-term option to San Antonio, but he's not the kind. to me. San Antonio needs a run your team point guard. Who's going to get Vic the ball in the spots where Vic needs to be getting the ball is going to help Vic. You know, grow and develop is going to get uh, Tyus Jones. Sell his, <laughs> they Tyus uh, Jones. Except Tyus well, Jones ain't got, a free agent. That's the thing. But, no, but he might they, be available. They, yeah, but they've got picks. Monty Morris. I mean, one of those two guys. We talked about yeah. this last time. I think they. That's the kind of point guard they need. Um, they can bring. They can bring back Trey Jones, who's a restricted free agent. I think. I think um, Trey's. I think Trey's pretty good. I think Trey's a very nice backup point guard. Again, if I'm San Antonio, I'm, I'm trying to bring him back at a backup point guard salary and a backup point guard role. Uh, but again, getting back to Russell, like Russell's not the guy you want to bring in to a to a young team that just drafted a phenom with a number one overall pick. That it's it's all about three or four years down the road. Like he's going to be taken if you if he's your starting point guard in San Antonio, he's going to be taking twenty shots a game. You don't. That's not the kind of guy they need. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. I hope uh, I learned some stuff on this podcast. So rare. Wow. Thank you to Jackson. <laughs> Your humility is just, I mean, so impressive, Wendy. Wow. That's why I have you guys around to make me <laughs> to look make humble. yourself feel smarter to make to make me look humble. All right. <laughs> Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon. We'll be talking to you on Wednesday. We're going back to Monday, Wednesday, Friday until I wave the white flag in the off season.
Um, what about next but week? What about it? Hmm. Are we are we just not? Are we skipping? Are we skipping the first couple of days of free agency? Or are we doing no. stuff over the weekend? I was about I to feel speak. like these are discussions we can have off the pod. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we got, including the Tims coming back Thursday night for Friday morning. Well, we got I just met. We people like to know when the pod's gonna be on. That's all. I just said Monday, Wednesday, uh-huh. Friday, including the Tims coming back. We're I know. Thursday I was talking about morning. I was talking about Bit. the first couple of days of free agency there. Chief. Monday in the group chat. Wednesday in the group chat. Friday. Hoop Collective. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a great week. Adios amigos and Brian Windhorse as well. Ha, 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 ha.